0: First, he talks about the far-off period of the Old Kingdom and how the ancient Egyptians transitioned to building the massive monumental pyramids that we see today. Then he talks about one of the most astounding and forgotten Egyptian finds, a fully intact tomb buried beneath the sands in Tanis that was overshadowed and forgotten by other world-altering events. Without further ado, let me introduce the History Guide.
1: Perhaps nothing represents the marvels and mysteries of ancient history more than the great monuments of the Egyptians. More than 4,500 years ago, ancient Egypt reached its height for the first time in the period of the Old Kingdom. This period saw the development of many of the things that we associate with ancient Egypt, like the idea of god kings, the use of hieroglyphics, and the construction of pyramids. Also called the Age of Pyramid Builders, the Old Kingdom saw some of the construction of the greatest monuments ever built by man. The Pyramids of Giza are perhaps most famous, but the first pyramid was built more than a century before and represented a revolutionary break from tradition. The Old Kingdom saw the construction of the first pyramid, the construction of the last great pyramid complex, and most likely saw the construction of another great monument that is still surrounded in some mystery, the Great Sphinx. The age of the pyramid builders is history that deserves to be remembered. The Old Kingdom began with the rule of the third dynasty king, Yozer, who ascended to the throne in the 27th century BC, although the exact date isn't certain. His rule would mark a significant departure from earlier Egyptian rulers, The earliest discovered life-size statue of an Egyptian, is Yoser. There's some disagreement as to who preceded him or followed him as king, but he seems to have been a child of the last king of the second dynasty. How long he ruled is also a question, at least 19 years, but possibly as many as 30. His reign is so ancient that the historical sources often disagree, and experts have presented a variety of different conclusions. An important note is that the Egyptians didn't use the title Pharaoh until the 19th Dynasty during the New Kingdom, but archaeologists still use the term to refer to all of the Egyptian kings starting with the first dynasty. Djoser was the first Egyptian king to be buried at Saqqara instead of Abdios. and may have been the king who officially moved the capital to Lower Egypt at Memphis. Joser did send several military campaigns into the Sinai Peninsula, where a number of large stone monuments bear his name. The Third Dynasty also represented a period of wealth, internal peace, and prosperity for Egypt. Perhaps his most important legacy, however, is his pyramid. Prior to Jozer, the Egyptian kings were buried in mastabas, a kind of flat-roofed rectangular structure with sloping sides. The ancient Egyptian word for the structure means house of eternity, but the modern name comes from the Arabic word for stone bench or bench of mud. Built largely from mud bricks, the monuments were meant to protect Egyptian kings and elites from nature and grave robbing, as the survival of the corpse was incredibly important in Egyptian religion. The burial chambers themselves were cut deep into the bedrock beneath the mastaba. It was under Joseph's vizier Imhotep called in the inscriptions, the head of the royal shipyard and overseer of all stoneworks, that the burial monuments of Egyptian kings changed to pyramids. You might recognize the name Imhotep because makers of the 1932 movie and its 1999 remake use that name, although not its history, as the name of the primary villain in the movie. Archaeologists think that Imhotep oversaw the construction of Yozer's pyramid. The structure was experimental from the beginning. It was built in several stages, representing changing visions during the construction. Initially, it resembled a mastaba, with a single level built like a mastaba, except that it was square instead of rectangular. Instead of mud bricks, the outer layer of the structure was made with cut limestone, making it probably the earliest stone structure in Egypt and one of the earliest ever built by man. Mastaba-like structures were then built on top of each other until the final pyramid reached a height of 204 feet with six steps. The step Pyramid was surrounded by an enormous 37-acre complex filled with ritual buildings, and the pyramid itself is surrounded by the Great Trench, from which some of the limestone used to build the pyramid probably came. Yoser himself was buried in a three-mile underground maze, complete with false doors and false paths. Though no contemporary or later documents actually claim that Imhotep was in charge of construction at the site, the vizier was granted the rare honor of having his name mentioned in the inscription of one of Yoser's statues. A thousand years later Imhotep would be deified and remembered as a physician, although no contemporary texts mention that he was any kind of doctor. The complex and pyramid set important precedents and has been called a revolutionary conception that would influence the entire history of Egyptian architecture. The size and increased complexity of the pyramid and the surrounding complex speak to the kingdom's newfound wealth and control both over manpower and natural resources. It also required improved technology both in metallurgy and tool making and more skilled stone workers than earlier Mastabas. During the third dynasty and into the fourth general peace continued allowing the kingdom to devote its energies to the creation of enormous monuments. The first king of the fourth dynasty was Snefru who mastered the art and engineering of pyramid building. He built the first true pyramids in Egypt that is ones that have smooth sides instead of steps. He is believed to have built three pyramids at Dashur the Bent Pyramid, the Red Pyramid, and the Maidam Pyramid. The Maidam Pyramid especially exemplifies the shift from a Step Pyramid to a True Pyramid, as it began as a Step Pyramid that later had limestone-facing added that gave it the familiar smooth straight finish. After Sneferu came the most famous pyramid builders, the kings who built the famous pyramids at Giza. These 4th Dynasty pharaohs built these pyramids in the 26th century BC, largely with skilled, well-paid, and free manpower, and not slaves, as is often stated. But more mysterious than any of those pyramids is another monument at the site, the Great Sphinx of Giza. Unlike the pyramids, no contemporary inscriptions mention the Sphinx or its construction. Although it's called a Sphinx, the name was only given to it thousands of years after it was built, after the Greek mythological creature which it resembles. The general consensus is that the Sphinx was built around 2500 BC during the reign of the pharaoh Khafra, who also built the second slightly smaller Giza pyramid and its complex. The Sphinx stands within the Khafre pyramid complex, and its temple is built in an identical style to one of Khafre's. The Sphinx was carved directly out of the limestone bedrock. Today, the original shape has been restored by adding layers of blocks to replace sections that have worn away. The Sphinx is the oldest known monumental sculpture in Egypt, 240 feet long from paws to tail and 66 feet tall to the top of its head. Many archaeologists assume that the face of the Sphinx is meant to be that of Khafre himself. Though most archaeologists believe the Sphinx belongs to Khafre, some Egyptologists argue that it is instead much older, dating it hundreds or thousands of years prior to the Egyptian Old Kingdom. If true, we don't know who built it, or exactly how, but it isn't a new idea. 19th century Egyptologists such as Flinders Petrie thought the Sphinx could predate the Old Kingdom. Proponents argue that erosion of the Sphinx doesn't fit the mainstream timeline, and that signs of water erosion push its construction to a time when the region was wetter. Another piece of evidence is the so-called inventory Stella the Stella written about 1900 years after construction of the Giza pyramids is an inventory of statues owned by the temple of Isis and it claims that the Isis temple was discovered abandoned near the Sphinx temple when Khufru arrived. The Stella however has some notable anachronisms including the fact that the temple appears to have been built well after the old kingdom ended and most scholars dismiss it as an attempt by the temple to gain prestige. Supporters of the old Sphinx theory argued that information on it could have been copied from earlier sources. Sometime after the fourth dynasty, the Giza complex was abandoned and the Sphinx was buried in sand up to its shoulders. Around 1400 BC, Pharaoh Tutmosis IV, not to be confused with Tutankhamun or King Tut, dug the sculpture out at least to its front paws, where he placed the Dream Stella, discovered in 1818. The Stella seems to refer to Kafra and tells the story of the dream the pharaoh had while napping in the sand below the sphinx's head in the dream he was told by the sun god ra to unbury the sculpture Tutmosis does seem to have made some repairs to the sphinx at the time and it would see several other restoration efforts over the millennia it may have been unburied again in antiquity but the sand continued to rebury it until it was uncovered in the 20th century the sculpture has been worn significantly over the millennia by the winds and sands of the desert as well as rain Many viewers have likely heard the story that Napoleon fired cannons at the Buried Sphinx and knocked its nose off. However, that story is false. The nose was already missing in drawings in 1757, and modern examinations have determined that chisels were used to pry the nose off, possibly as long ago as 300 A.D. A number of medieval Muslim sources attribute the damage to Muslim rulers. One says that a Muslim leader broke the nose off after finding local peasants making offerings to the sculpture around 1378. The 5th and 6th dynasties continued to build pyramids, but built them back at Saqqara, and their pyramids tend to be smaller and are built with lower quality material. Later, Old Kingdom pyramids did begin to include written accounts of the king's reign on the walls of their interiors. The last full pyramid complex built by the ancient Egyptians was built towards the end of the 6th dynasty by Pharaoh Pepi II, also at Saqqara. By this time, Pharaoh pyramids had taken on a standard size that was much smaller, less than 5% of the volume of the Great Pyramid. By the time of Pepe II, the leadership of the king was in significant decline. Governors who ruled as representatives of the king had been growing in influence for some time, and Pepe's mother was the daughter of one of these powerful governors. Pepe II is said to have had the longest reign of any Egyptian king at 94 years, although many scholars think it was shorter, closer to 62 years. His pyramid complex was still a significant undertaking. The pyramid stood less than half as high as the Great Pyramid, but it is connected by a 1,300-foot-long covered causeway to a temple which sits on a quay that was once a canal that connected the complex to Memphis. Three additional queen pyramids surrounded the complex, each with their own temples. Interestingly, despite his supposed long reign, there is evidence that the construction was rushed, and that the material used to build it was of inconsistent quality. A wall built around the pyramid was actually meant to buttress the whole structure, which threatened to collapse in on itself. The sarcophagus also shows some obvious evidence that it was rushed, and is partially unfinished. The pyramid complex itself has been heavily damaged, and was long used as a quarry. Egyptian kings did continue to build pyramids on and off afterwards, the pyramid of an 8th dynasty king since near Pepi's, but it is much smaller, closer to the size of Pepi's queen pyramids. Many of the later pyramids, built centuries after the Pyramids of Giza, are in considerably worse condition than those famous examples. There's a reason for this. The Pyramids of Giza are built of solid stone blocks all the way through, while most of the later pyramids are built with a core of rubble, limestone or mud bricks, and only capped by stone on their exterior. In the millennia after they were built, later locals often used pieces of these monuments to build their own structures. Pieces of the limestone that once capped the Pyramids of Giza, for instance, were used to build mosques. Pyramids continued to be built during the Middle Kingdom, and many were larger than Pepi II's, though most of them have been heavily quarried and are only ruins. The last pyramid built in Egypt by native rulers was built by Amos I, the first pharaoh of the 18th dynasty and the first king of the last golden age of ancient Egypt, the New Kingdom. The tradition of pyramids did continue, and many were built in southern Egypt by the Kushite kings of the 25th dynasty, along with other cultures. The three great pyramids at Giza have dominated most of the popular culture's vision of the monumental works of ancient Egypt, and that's not very surprising. They are the most enduring, and today perhaps the most impressive examples of a deeply ingrained tradition. But that first step pyramid of Yozer is in many ways just as important. It kickstarted what will become the defining architectural theme for the next thousand years. The famous sphinx represents ancient Egypt at its most mysterious. Different from the pyramids but in the same class of monument it continues to be as enigmatic as the Greek mythical creature that is its namesake. The pyramids and the monuments and the temples of the old kingdom are closely related both to the power and the culture of the time and they give us insight into the changing world that those people faced. The ancient Egyptians could not have imagined this modern world whom their monuments continue to impress but they do represent an enduring human desire to build something that will last. So that people from a far removed time will see them and know that someone, someone important, came before them.
0: Now's the part of the episode where we get to chat with the history guy. A little bit about what we just heard, what we're going to hear, and some behind the scenes stuff that you only get to hear about on the podcast. And we'd like to welcome back Betty Jo, my grandmother and mother of the history guy. So, you know, the first thing I kind of wanted to talk about with this particular episode is that it's a little bit of an interesting one for us because in a lot of ways, this is really prehistory as opposed to history. Uh, but there were I think there were some some good reasons to talk about it. And of course, I mean, to some extent, I mean, it's all history. It happened in the past, but this is stuff where we don't have as many. uh primary sources and what we do have is stuff we've essentially dug up Um, yeah i mean this is we we cross lines i mean
1: this is a youtube channel whether you want to talk about history or prehistory uh there is writing in the period and there is some writing on these pieces so i I guess that would call it history but this is i mean that becomes the epitome of forgotten history right the farther back you go the less the less that we know about it and and the the thing is the history in Egypt is so vast. I mean, we you know we're a yeah. we're a two hundred what forty six year old country. We 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 just can't really even start to comprehend what it means that you know a thousand years ago we had you know the first dynasty or the first era and, and, yeah. you, know, and, and you know the. Uh, The the new kingdom, the old kingdom and the kingdoms that came before the new kingdom. And so uh, and and, and this whole idea of what a pyramid is, is really quite interesting, because it really developed over time. And so this is, uh, I mean, this is by no means like a comprehensive chronology of, of the Egyptian civilization. Uh, but, no. but it's really intended to say that, you know, the, that the whole idea of what a pyramid was and why a pyramid was developed over time. Well, in space, too, I mean, because they built them in yeah. different places and it really makes for interesting sort of, you know, forgotten history. And some of the people that they found, some of the kings that were completely forgotten, you know, they, they might have ruled yeah. for you know decades uh, and they're forgotten. And uh, because uh, there were just so many of them over time, you know, are we going to remember 19th century presidents? If, you know, if the U.S. lasts a thousand years or two thousand
0: years, yeah. are we <laughs> going to remember, you know, Grover Cleveland? I, I, I don't know. Right. He might not have. Well, and, and ultimately, I mean, all of these uh, these kings and these pharaohs, um, we generally you mentioned that we they call them pharaohs uh, academically, yes. even though they, they didn't necessarily refer term to them was being used as that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they all had I mean, lots of them had important stuff that they did. And, you know, there was a reason why uh, they were the leader and why they had to deal with what they dealt with and uh, why they managed to build. I mean, Joser's is really interesting where he built this, you know, the first. Uh, pyramid the step pyramid essentially is that you can really see how that went from a mastaba to you know we're going to build those on top of each other and it's a different and in a lot of ways more impressive uh, piece of architecture but the what we can learn you know from the fact that these are people who uh, were able to command that kind of power and respect and that they've just become completely forgotten is that sometimes we're lucky if we know their name (laughs) <laughs> and that's it, it you know even less what else was going on around the time yeah and the
2: fact that you can't even really t- tell if they if they ruled for 13 years or however many years that they ruled uh the, the fact is so much of it is lost or you you have to make some assumptions so mm-hmm. interesting yeah. to see why but uh basically i guess the question that you always have to ask is why did they feel obligated to build those monuments mhm and well, I guess yeah. it, it's the same as as what we do here as far as building a monument to Washington or whatever, I suppose. It is.
1: And it goes back in time. I mean, but I mean, that's towards the end of the video. And since we say, uh, you know, we want you... It, it, it's hubris not to understand what came before you. So they're kind of yeah. say, like, oh, you know, you think you're special? Well, look what came before. And to an extent, uh, it's interesting that some of that gets lost because that's you know that's that's the the uh, uh, Shelley poem, and Dias, right? Yeah. You know, look upon my works, you uh, mortals, in despair, and you know, around it is sand. Uh, and it, it leads to an interesting question: is that we don't really understand how old some of that is. The Sphinx is a good example of whether there's a lot of disagreement over exactly how yeah. old that must have been, and if it's as old as some people think, then who made it? And and uh, so I mean. It, it all makes for a really kind of fascinating story, and also part of it goes back to one of the controversies that we deal with on the on the History Guy, and that is whether we use uh, BCE and and uh, CE, or whether we use AD and BC, uh, and it, that however you want to. I mean, we we talk about you know I, I think we use BCAD just because our audience is more com- familiar with it, and there's still actually okay. academic discussion on that. It's not an agreement over CE and BCE, but uh, but I mean the the point is you don't we don't know when to start, so you can't you can't yeah. start from year zero. You have to put Put a pin in the middle of something somewhere and you have to come backwards from there and forward from there and, and we keep going farther and farther backwards even as we're i mean faster really than we're going forward because <laughs> we're, we're finding more there and, and this shows that interesting point i mean when when did we really start counting? I mean, we we don't know, and we keep finding things that change our whole perspective of that, and that's that yeah. makes this really interesting. Uh, and so, I mean, if there's anything, uh, you know, if the term forgotten history means anything, it's the continued discoveries that we're making in ancient civilizations. It takes us back farther in terms of what was going on and what we were doing, and you know, maybe uh, you know uh, the, the the original what is called the box, you know. The, it's, I mean, maybe the purpose of that was different than when when you move to the periods, the pyramids, like the Great Pyramids uh, in the in the in in the in the Valley of Kings. You know, maybe the philosophy had changed over that time. But it's also pretty clear that they had very similar ideas about what that means. That you were preserving the spirit, you were trying to prove the power of your of your of your king, even if you weren't calling him a pharaoh yet. Uh, And so it's it's kind of interesting to see that how that developed over time, especially when you're talking about such. A vast period of time. When we, yeah. when, when you're talking, you know, uh, I mean, everything that we see that we think is old
0: uh, was, you know,
1: this, this is a thousand years before that.
0: Yeah, you know, they they talk about, um, and they'll talk about that with Cleopatra that she was born closer to the founding of Pizza Hut than to the building of the pyramids, uh-huh. and like <laughs> that level of that level of deep history. I mean, there were. There were cultures there uh, that you know continued to exist and built off of each other, and mm-hmm. I, I mean all kinds of things that happened, rising and falling, and <laughs>
1: rising and falling, and gaps in between, and some of them just buried in sand. And so, so yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's quite clear that a thousand years ago, people didn't know how old the Sphinx was and who made it. No, you know, but and, also
2: the fact that uh, how in the world did they build them, or how did they, you know, the yeah. the, uh, the the amazing amount of engineering or what was going on there. Yeah. Where, the, where, the, where it all came from, just is astonishing. It's 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 fascinating to look at and try yeah. to visualize.
1: It's hard to, I mean, even the ones that are essentially mud brick, you know, pile of dirt with mud brick around yeah. them, you still wonder how do you how do you put together the manpower for that? And then you start, you know, covering that with limestone. And then then you start having, you know, stones that are just such huge weights oh, huge. that how do you possibly do that? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's clear that there's an awful lot of forgotten history when it comes to ancient yeah. Egypt about how a, a number of things are done. And a lot of those questions are being answered, you know, slowly with time. You know, it used to be when I grew up, it was just assumed they were built by slaves. Now, generally, the argument is that they weren't enslaved people; that were that they were that they were paid workers, uh, and uh, that's 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 a change. I mean, gosh, if you ask anybody my age, we just uh, knew it. I mean, yeah, you know, we watched we watched. Yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> Uh, uh, what, what was the movie? The the, uh, uh, the Ten Commandments, right? We watched the Ten Commandments. They were slaves, right? Yeah, uh, And, uh, and you yeah. Know, they pushed... We saw exactly how they built it right there. A little old lady threw rice in front of them and they pushed their rocks with whatever. And, you know, we saw that in the movie and now, and now we realize that maybe that's that's not quite how it all works. So, and uh, a lot the, of
0: that is us still, you know, trying to come up with... I, I mean, the reason why there's still a lot of talk and, you know, myth uh, around this kind of stuff and disagreement and conspiracy theories is because even what we have have found, you know, ultimately there's, uh, we're not sure about a lot of it. We find a way that, you know, maybe they could have moved these these stones, but we don't necessarily have, you know, super detailed instructions on how they did it. And I I don't know, for them it was, I guess, uh, it still must have been an incredible undertaking because they didn't have i mean this was this was a time they had no electricity they had no way of it's incredible to think that the, that someone was like we're going to build this and then that they just figured out how to do it yeah uh, yeah and i
1: uh, <laughs> uh, i think we tend to think oh we're so advanced but i mean you know obviously these people were as intelligent as we are today oh, yeah. right and they were engineers uh and they engineered solutions in different ways that we might have engineered solutions but they still engineered these solutions so uh yeah if you could if you could go back to you know see pieces of forgotten history, this would be a great one to see. Is to go back yeah. and see. But I mean, if you want to see how pyramids are built, you're going to have to look over a period of, of, of two thousand years or more, oh, yeah. right? And Six thousand years to see and how they, they built de- them differently, uh, how and... they developed it over time, yeah, and, and who and how and why and uh, and, and, yeah.
2: and do you suppose that when it was all over then they say, hey, woo, that's done. Let's have a glass of champagne. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, then 100 years later, they're stripping pieces off of it and building
0: a house. Oh, too, and yeah, I, I love taking
2: yeah. Stealing from the other guy so I can build another one is, you know.
0: <laughs> they was, they constantly really common, yeah. did that. I, it's, it's one of the things, you know, they're like, oh, well, how could they bring it this far? I'm like, well, one person did, and then everybody else after that just kind of took it from me. <laughs> and they did that constantly. And so that's one of the reasons why so many of the pyramids that, you know, didn't have uh, solid interiors are, uh, are just totally destroyed, is because people just took all the. They took anything that was useful there, and it's amazing because it's still Egyptian history is so old that within Mm -hmm. Egyptian history there were Egyptians who were like, I don't know who built this pyramid or why, but uh, who cares? Because yeah,
1: (laughs) so (laughs) that's you know people in ancient in times you know very ancient times uh, were looking at things that were very ancient when they were there. Yeah, and we tend to think of it as that they like built the pyramids over you know a single civilization when actually you yeah. know, people that were building this period pyramid had no idea how people built the the pyramid that had been built yeah. you know 500 1000 years before so I mean, yeah, they it's, might not it's, have had any idea. It's all interesting. So, so what this episode does is it tells you about kings that were f- forgotten and then found, and that's you know that's that's the epitome of forgotten history being found again, uh, and and it tries to give some perspective over the the growth of that of that period that we call pyramid builders, uh, that lasted so long and and how they're how they're different, uh, and of course you could spend you know we could spend a thousand hours trying to talk over Egyptian history and and, and oh yeah also because it's so ancient uh, you know there's a lot of disagreement over what we know and what the details are and things like that so yeah. Uh, it's it just makes for a you know a fascinating episode to say that if we think i mean gosh you can have something happen 50 years ago and we're still arguing over what it means and certainly yeah. we have things that happened you know on a couple hundred years ago we're still discovering forgotten history or afraid that we'd lose them. you know what it was it mean when you start going back in the thousands of years uh, and that you're still discovering pieces and you know they wrote in stone so we have something that yeah. we can figure out but uh, i mean how much was written on something that didn't last that long that we you know that we can't find out
0: or that i mean you know the sphinx was continually buried under sand and you wonder is there something out there that's you know incredible Mm -hmm. um maybe not on the scale of sphinx but maybe under a sand somewhere yeah yeah and that we might that we might find and I, i think that's just it's it's really really interesting the sphinx really is a it's it's a legitimate mystery i i some people i feel like we kind of went over i feel like we we gave quite a bit of attention actually to the idea of it being older than uh uh, than they, than we think it is. Even though the, the, I mean, the historical consensus and the consensus of archaeologists is mostly that it was probably built uh, with uh, at the same time as the the Khafre pyramid, mm-hmm. uh, which which it makes sense for. You know, the, there's some evidence for why that would be. Uh, but I, it is. I mean, there's a reason why people still wonder because it how for what we do have that they mentioned, it is kind of amazing that they never mentioned building the Sphinx at all. Yeah. There's, there's no contemporary... They're talking about everything, but they don't mention the Sphinx.
1: And, there's, and some, it, there's some arguments over how it eroded and stuff like that that suggest and even, what, even
2: what it was or what it stood for. Or, or, uh, yeah. I, because you you wonder if maybe there wasn't a lion god uh, uh yeah. thousands of years before that that they built that about
1: there's some arguments that has to do with astronomy and i mean actually you know i'm we're i'm not an archaeologist not an anthropologist and no. there was a lot of controversy over that uh and, and and some people will get you know fairly upset that you're if you're challenging yeah. you know the, the official line that 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 the, the egyptian division of antiquities is using and we're not really trying to get into that into that no. fight there but but what we're really trying to say though is that you know the uh, a thousand years ago, people, the yeah. Sphinx was already ancient, and people who
0: were digging it up out of the sand didn't know for sure how it was built or why it was yeah. built. Uh, well, it's and... amazing that, you know, the l- way later. They dig up all the sand around it and put in, you know, the Dream Stella, mm-hmm. and that's apparently that was something that was put there at least hundreds of years mm-hmm. after that thing was built. And I mean, it's all it's an amazing thing, but clearly there were still legends about the Sphinx even then, because you know the Dream Stella had this story on it, mm-hmm. and you wonder, you know, how all this stuff has come together for them to remember it. And you know, we think of it as legendary, but it's amazing to think that. It has been legendary. I mean, yeah, <laughs> longer that is true. than I mean, that. You know, Stonehenge, too. I mean, the, the, yeah, the Greeks true. were talking about wondering what
1: Stonehenge was. And yeah. you have to wonder in, in a thousand years, you know, uh, what do we have? Like Mount Rushmore will still be around, right? It's yeah. made out of granite. In a thousand years, are people going to understand, you know, why why we carved Mount Rushmore?
0: I don't know. Yeah. You know, and, Is that going to be yeah. really, well, and we don't we don't even really and have the ability to are understand. Their nose is going to fall off. The culture. It always seems like the nose goes first, right? So. Yeah, the nose goes first. I like, and we we're able to talk about some, there's so many things. About the pyramids, that you know all these myths and uh, and misconceptions and stuff. The, the the Napoleon story is really really famous of him knocking yeah. the nose off, and apparently just totally bullcrap. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely not that true. So you wonder, but it was done with chisels. Who went up there and chiseled the nose off, and what were they and what, what was the purpose of that? Yeah, and, yeah. Why precisely do you go chisel the nose off and not like do more serious damage? And yeah. who has any idea what happened to the nose?
1: Yeah, and I mean, though, I mean, there's a story that maybe it was done because uh, because someone else didn't oh, like yeah, that, that they were worshiping, worshiping it, or I mean, but I mean, that all that all goes back to speculation. Again, it's it's, it's forgotten yeah. history that we have pieces of that we can guess at, and that we can, sti- can still find evidence that that is refining our understanding of these as it goes with time. And that's yeah. uh, so you know you go to a museum of antiquities, uh, and it will keep going farther and farther back. And and, uh, and so when you know when is year zero? I, we don't
0: know. Well, and it's it's really hard to objectively find a, a, a you know a specific date and be like this is when things change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the truth is, I, I mean, you know, there there was a there was a religious reason why we chose the date that we did that we use now. Oh, sure, that um, we used for but, year
1: zero. Yeah, a, yeah. I mean,
0: and and you know, there's a history behind that as well. Oh, yeah, but I mean, absolutely. you said at
1: some point you had to throw a pin in there because you didn't know. But if you're really trying to find <laughs> out when when did it start, when did civilization develop to the point that we would bother counting years, uh, yeah. uh, I. I I don't know that we'll ever find the answer, but but I'm I'm confident that through my lifetime and through many lifetimes we will continue pushing that number backwards. Yeah, uh, and it certainly we... was
0: before you know where we use year zero. I tend to think that you know in a in a, in a practical conversation about whether uh, you dis you know you dislike the reasons why we use the dating system we do or not, but I just can't imagine trying to move to an entirely new date. Dates. Yeah. <laughs> Dates I, said, I mean, we because yeah, we're not consistent throughout the channel. First, we were just kind of using whatever yep. source
1: material used. So sometimes we use CEBCE. People get upset, whichever one you do. It's a catch-22 I never like because it's the same number either way. Uh, yeah. uh, and, and uh, you know, and there's it, that's an interesting story anyway because it didn't actually start out being Common Era and before Common Era. Those were actually called Christian Era. Uh, and and yeah. so and before Christian era, which makes more sense if you're you know given where we were putting the pin, uh, but that you know that still gave a bad connotation. It started uh, because, if I understand correctly, because Jewish scholars didn't like to have to use A.D. and Odomine because that means Year of Our Lord, and they're like, that's that's not my Lord. I understand we, that. We disagree, but yeah, I mean that's that the... you know I I don't think you have to take it literally. The the history of where the term came from was was a a Christian monk that was trying to determine the birth of Christ and you know whether you know whether any of that is real or whether he was right is not the question (laughs) that we ask you know and so we just we use the term that we think our audience will be most familiar with understanding but we're certainly not making any you know religious or philosophical (laughs) statement by that at all I, I really
0: leave that's what I want to leave to people to make their own decisions about Right, it's not the point. What well, we're trying to yeah. tell these stories about history, and yeah, I feel absolutely. like it's it's sad sometimes that, that the conversation has to keep getting dragged yeah. back I, to I, that I under, disagreement. I understand why there's emotions involved in that, but I mean, yeah, like, I do. You know, yeah. when we say
1: that something happened in 7 A.D., we're not we're not trying to make a point about the, that being the year of our Lord. That's not the point. No. Someone else can make that point if you want to make that point or argue that point. That's fine, but that is not the point that we're making. And yeah. it's sad that it takes away from that. So I, you know, I'd make up a whole other term just so that it upsets everybody. I don't I don't care. But anyway, this <laughs> tells you this tells you why you have to have a convention though is because you cannot figure we would constantly be changing our dates yeah. if we tried to figure out where year zero was uh and and because year zero's forgotten history that maybe yeah. someday uh, we'll come a lot closer to understanding because we continue to find uh, more and more history that goes back farther than we thought that was forgotten and has been rediscovered you know, if you are a fan of the History Guy, if you didn't know, we have a lot of great merch uh, that we have out there, and uh, I think uh, we're wearing History Guy shirts all the time here. But we have a lot of great uh, shirts that are. Uh, we try to have a lot of fun with what we do with our merchandise and refer to episodes that 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 we've had that are popular episodes with the History Guy. Uh, and uh, and we, we, you know, one of the most popular episodes we did was the one on cats. We've got a History Guy cat shirt now It looks just like one of our cats too. That you'll sometimes see in the video. So uh, it is a way. It's a way you can support the History Guy. We got a little bit of money there, but it's also a way that you can carry out. The brand. I hear a lot of people are fans of the History Guy. We'll demonstrate. You're a fan of the History Guy. Wear a hoodie. Wear a sweatshirt. You make your coffee cup at work. Be the History Guy. Someone will say, "Hey, who's that?" And you can say, "The History Guy is great," and we get another viewer too. So, uh, and uh, you know, it's we we try to make things that are fun. But so uh, we have a great merchandise shop, and it's at a place called Fourth Wall. That's the the company that we used to make the. So it's it's the History Guy. Dash shop dot fourthwall dot com, or you can just look up fourthwall at one word f o u r t h w a l l, and then the history guy Google will take you to the right place. Uh, and uh, we, you know, we we try to make reasonably priced, a good quality. I wear them all the time. Uh, and uh, uh I don't know yeah what what's your favorite piece of merchandise
0: yeah there's cool stuff you can you can go from you know we've got the cups we've got stickers stickers are oh. a great way to show your appreciation put that on your laptop or wherever else you want to put it I love the cat tea I also love the uh, the sherman tea that has the uh Oh yeah I the Sherman. Because we, be. we went and drove. We went and drove
1: that 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 one on there is the E eight. And we went and drove one of those at at, at at and did some episodes on that stuff. And so Josh was with us that day. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Josh was the gunner when we gotta find our epic tank battle. Which which uh, was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks and thanks to the, the folks at Drive a Tank in Kisota, Minnesota. That's Go right. there. <laughs> it is absolutely worth your day. And then you can buy a shirt from them. They give us shirts, right? But you can also yeah. buy a shirt from us to commemorate that as well.
2: And they have yep. a brand new uh, color in a, in a rose color. Yeah, the, dust, the uh, Dusty Rose, yeah. The Dusty Rose, which is absolutely you lovely. You just got and one so of those for my daughter, Willow. There's a lot, lot of those for, uh, for ladies, too, so don't forget to look for uh, okay, uh, a gift for Christmas or something.
1: Yeah, a gift for Christmas. That's it. Give, give the History Guy for Christmas.
0: Next up, the History Guy talks about the Silver Pharaoh, an astounding archaeological find that has been largely forgotten.
1: Pharaohs and their tombs have long captivated both the scientific and the popular mind. Stories about mummies and their curses have been around for more than a century and populate not just natural history museums, but also horror movies and children's cartoons. Perhaps the most famous Egyptian pharaoh in the world today was King Tutankhamun or King Tut. The discovery of this relatively unimportant pharaoh's tomb in 1923 included an impressive array of treasure. The tomb wasn't untouched. There's some evidence that it had been robbed in antiquity. But the, the incredible condition and number of burial items gave the young pharaoh, well, fame beyond all proportion to his relatively short rule. You would think, though, that the discovery of another untouched pharaoh's tomb would be big news, but when archaeologist Pierre Montet discovered not one but three untouched burial chambers just 17 years later, the find went largely unnoticed. The discovery of the Silver Pharaoh and his treasures became the victim of larger world events. It's history that deserves to be remembered. Jean-Pierre-Marie marie Montet was born in 1885 in Villefranche-Sausson, France. After earning his degree, he became the professor of Egyptology at the University of Strasbourg in 1919. He was an archaeologist and conducted his first major excavation at the ancient Byblos, now Jubail, in Lebanon. There he discovered tombs of local rulers contemporary with the Egyptian Middle Kingdom, and what at the time was believed to have been possibly the oldest example of alphabetical writing. In 1929, he began excavating at Tanis, Egypt, the ancient Janet in the northeastern delta of the Nile River. Tanis became the capital of Egypt following the abandonment of the former capital, Pi-Ramses. The city had already had two other major excavations in the 19th century. A decade later, Monte made his greatest discovery at Tanis. He found the royal necropolis of the 21st and 22nd dynasties. These two dynasties began at the end of the powerful New Kingdom period after a century of decline. The pharaohs had been ousted from southern Egypt by the powerful high priests of Amun at Thebes and left to rule northern Egypt from the Nile Delta. On February 22, 1939, he discovered a funerary chamber that he identified with the pharaoh Asurkan II. The burial site had been plundered, but he did find the still intact quartzite sarcophagus of Asurkan's son, Takalot II, as well as hundreds of ushabtis. Ushabtis are small funerary servant figures put in pharaohs' tombs to accompany them into the afterlife. The ancient Egyptians believed that they would be endless work to do in the afterlife, and so the Ushaptis were made to become the workforce for the deceased. They were often inscribed with what kind of work they were meant to do as well as their owner, and the more one had, the richer the deceased. The most simple were crude or made of mud, but those in Pharaoh's tombs would often be made of stone, lapis, or even wood. While he was examining and cataloging his finds, the rest of the world was concerned with a very different situation evolving hundreds of miles to the north. On March 15, 1939, Hitler and Nazi Germany invaded Czechoslovakia. It isn't clear if Monté realized that he was now racing against the clock, but he did redouble his efforts to explore the necropolis. After clearing out the first chamber, he found a second, completely untouched chamber. Inscriptions in this chamber mentioned the pharaoh, Susenus I, and at its center sat a brilliant silver sarcophagus with the head of a falcon. It is notable that the coffin was silver. The ancient Egyptians associated gold with the skin of the gods, and silver with the gods' bones. But gold was much more abundant. They had no local supplies of silver, and could only be imported. Only a few silver coffins had been found. The fine craftsmanship of the casket and the grave goods indicated this wasn't the tomb of a minor leader, but someone who commanded wealth and power. On March 21st, the Egyptian king Farouk came to the site to be present at the opening of the coffin. Inside was a beautiful gold face mask and gold jewelry, but the coffin didn't belong to Sosinus. There was some damage to the trough and evidence of plant growth at its edges. This sarcophagus had been moved sometime in antiquity, probably because the former tomb had become waterlogged from being so near the Nile. The moisture from the river had long destroyed any wooden burial items. The symbols on the coffin indicated it belonged to a previously unknown pharaoh, Shoshank the Second. In fact, his jewelry and Funeral items rivaled that of King Tut. Two other highly decayed mummies were also found in this area and have not been positively identified. The obvious question remained, where was Susennis? While he continued to excavate, the Gears of War ground on. In September, Germany invaded Poland, prompting the United Kingdom and France to declare war on Germany. Monte found several other looted chambers, and finally, on February 15, 1940, found a corridor single, with a single large slab of granite made from a piece of an obelisk dedicated to Ramses II. The Egyptians often recycled portions of older buildings into newer ones. It took six days for Montes' team to chip through the plug. When they finally did, Monte stared through the dark hole at what lay inside, hidden from the world and untouched for millennia. Inside the chambers sat a huge red granite sarcophagus, surrounded by silver and gold cups and bowls, canopic jars which held the removed organs and ushabdis. He would later write that the tomb contained marvels, worthy of the thousand and one nights. As he explored further, he found a black granite coffin inside the red, and inside that, the silver coffin with gold inlays that held Susenna's himself. Inside the coffin, Susenna's mummy had not survived the wet conditions, and had deteriorated to nothing more than black dust and bones, but the brilliant golden mass that would have covered his face remained, as well as jewelry and a golden mummy board. Susannus' tomb remained the only pharaonic tomb discovered, untouched, by any robbing attempts. The granite sarcophagus was discovered to be another recycled item, having belonged to the 19th dynasty pharaoh Merneptah, who had ruled 200 years earlier than the pharaoh it contained. The black granite coffin was also recycled, but its original owner has not been identified. The solid gold mask had lapis lazuli, as well as inlays of white and black glass for the eyes and eyebrows. It has been called one of the masterpieces of the treasures found at Tanis. Susenes was covered in elaborate jewelry, including a brilliant collar of gold and lapis, rings with precious stones on every finger, and the most elaborate finger and toe stalls ever found. He was even wearing gold sandals. The name Susenes is the Greek version of his original Egyptian name, which means the star appearing in the city. His sumptuous burial challenged the idea that the pharaohs of the third intermediate period, after the new kingdom, were weak and largely powerless. Ptolemaic source records that Susenus ruled for at least 41 years, but the sources are unclear if it may have been longer. Some experts suggest his rule lasted 46 or even 51 years, starting around 1047 BC. Seen traditionally as a period of serious upheaval, Susenus' rule seems to have represented a period of relative stability. He is known to have led the fortification of the city of Tanis, using granite from the ruins of the abandoned pyramids to build walls in the central part of the great temple at Tanis study of the pharaoh's body in 1940 revealed that he had died as an old man, with badly worn teeth and abscess in his palate and severe arthritis. The cartouches decoded on his belongings revealed Susannes was also a high priest, he had married one of his daughters to a high priest of Amun, who ruled the southern part of Egypt. This marriage partly explains the relatively peace of his rules that seems to have been part of an arrangement that helped him make peace with the de facto rulers of the rest of the kingdom. He did seem to be on good terms with the priests in the south, as they donated several items that were found in the pharaoh's tomb. The reuse of the sarcophagus and granite coffin also imply a peaceful relationship with the south, as the Valley of the Kings they were taken from was part of officially sanctioned looting, and lies hundreds of miles outside the region the northern pharaohs controlled. The deliberate choice to include the borrowed items was possibly a ploy to tie his rule and that of his children more closely to the great rulers of the past. Though Sussanis represented probably the greatest find in the necropolis, Monté found others nearby. A chamber made for Sussanis' wife and sister, Munechmet, was also found. But the sarcophagus inside held the body of Sussanis' son and successor, Ammonimope. Her body and coffin have not been found. Another coffin, apparently empty, bore the name of a general. It was in April 1940 that Monté searched the tomb of Ammonimope, merely a month before Nazi Germany invaded France and the Low Countries. In addition to not being in his own tomb, Amonimo's grave mask was much less detailed than his father's, probably reflecting the decline in the kingdom. Excavation at the site would soon cease for the duration of the war. Realizing he had little time to waste, the treasures he had uncovered were sent to Cairo for safekeeping, and Montaigne and his family rushed out of the country, hoping to beat the oncoming war. The New York Times reported on the discovery of Susenis in February 1940, but by May the news was preoccupied with the beginning of one of the largest conflicts in human history. Monte published a book on his work at Tannis during the war. The discovery remained obscure, and the finds weren't even displayed to the public until 1944. Pierre Monte persevered through ten years of excavation before he found these pharaoh's tombs. He wrote about his excavations at Tannis in a three-volume work. He continued to work as an Egyptologist, both at the University of Strasbourg and later in Paris. He retired in 1956 and passed away in Paris in 1966. The discovery of Susannes' tomb is one of the most important in the history of Egyptian archaeology. It gave us a much greater understanding of a previously poorly understood period in Egyptian history and brought to light the name of a pharaoh who seems to have ruled well, despite instability of the times. And yet today, 70 years later, visitors to the museum in Cairo often walk right by Susannes to go see the more famous Tutankhamun. And that brings to mind the idea of popular history and timing whether a historical event becomes popular well known is partly impacted by the history of when the history was discovered and might be out of all proportion to any sort of objective measure of historical value and that tells us that if we just dig a little deeper we might find much more history that deserves to be
0: remembered. Ultimately you know this story is incredibly interesting, and there's so many things we can take from it. But I, I mean, I think what is what the real, you know, what the central part of it is that this was a find that was almost unprecedented, that was at least as impressive as you know the most famous uh, pharaoh burial chamber that we ever found, and it's essentially completely forgotten yeah but
1: certainly not nearly as well known as Tutankhamun, who's you know yeah. still travels around the world I said just the other day that they were still traveling with the Tutankhamun exhibit so I mean this is a great example of forgotten history it's kind of like what we talked about with the pyramids that part of it is the is uh, the you know how ancient it was but what's really interesting here is it's really relatively modern history that's the reason yeah. that we that this is forgotten history uh, because uh, if this had been found in the 1930s uh, it probably would have been, or in the 1920s, when you went to, then it would probably yeah. be the most fu- uh, 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 known find and the most important find uh, of, of uh, ancient Egypt. And instead, because it was found essentially during the Second World War, it's relatively yeah. unknown, even though it was a much less defiled tomb that told us a lot more, really, than Tutankhamun, who was really a relatively minor
0: king. Yeah, that's, and that's, I mean, that's an interesting one, too, you know, when you talk about kind of these, these uh, accidents. Of mm-hmm. of what makes you know popular history popular is that is that Tut King Tut's way more famous than honestly probably than he was during during actual Egyptian. He <laughs> <time. laughs> was he was the king. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was I don't I. It sounds like it was a period of history where you know Egypt Egypt was kind of struggling, and of course he uh, he himself just had a very short reign, and his, uh, yeah, he just life, happens yeah. to be essentially you know and his wasn't completely it's, 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 untouched it, 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 it actually had been looted some but i mean there were yeah.
1: there was more in there it was less looted than most tombs that they found yeah. and therefore you found such spectacular things uh but to, i mean the sarcophagus with the silver pharaoh was really just is, is fascinating yeah. uh and as well the as story about the the uh, the outer piece that was being made of silver and why it was made of silver and yeah. the horse face on it and stuff like that i mean that, and so this was this was a tomb that really hadn't been opened uh, but it's interesting that it shows evidence of looting because they were reusing pieces that's really yeah. interesting you find in there is that you inside this tomb you find like they just busted into somebody's tomb and said i'm taking this go, this <laughs> sarcophagus put my sarcophagus in your sarcophagus or whatever so uh it's really an interesting story but you have to you have to feel uh for people who make amazing discoveries uh at a time when uh, you know it just doesn't make the newspaper because yeah. something else is going on you know hitler's hitler's invading poland so we don't we don't know that you know, we're digging up one of the most amazing tombs that have ever been found uh, yeah. in history uh, and it's one of the ways it's one of the ways that history can be forgotten and there's a lot of that there's a lot of history that was that is is relatively forgotten simply because of when it occurred and there were other things in the news at the time but that it's still that way that it's still if you i mean if you ask i think most americans at least who Tutankhamun was they recognize it but if you ask about the silver pharaoh uh they probably don't have any idea and if you ask them yeah. who imhotep was all they know is what was in the in the movie right <laughs> in, the, in the mummy which, yeah, is, that's which like... is not a good representation of the real guy so far as we know he never sucked anybody's soul in order to reconstitute himself <laughs> so they could get his girlfriend back i mean and, and brendan Fresher was
0: not involved at the time yeah so far as we know uh uh yeah, it's it really is amazing. And this, you know, this is just, it is a piece of history. I mean, Pierre Mont- Monté there is would have been a famous uh, guy. And yeah. now he's essentially, I mean, I think you would call him a fairly obscure Egyptologist, despite yeah. having, you know, made such an incredible discovery. Yeah,
1: one of these most important discoveries in history sort of thing. I mean, he was recognized in his field, I think. But I he mean, was. Yeah, that, That's probably that true. But uh, obviously... Uh, it's just because of timing that he uh, that, that he really missed out on the fame that, that yeah. you you know you might deserve for for what he discovered there, uh, and, as well as of course just the you know the meaning any even the study the history the historical understanding of Egypt that is kind of lost because this is not as well known by people as yeah. as other discoveries simply because of when it occurred, uh, but I mean the shades is. of Raiders of the Lost Ark in this too I mean it's really kind of right. a fascinating
0: story all around yeah. It is, it really just is such an interesting, and as he gets in there, he gets deeper into this, uh, uh, this burial complex, essentially, and we find, you know, people who we didn't expect to be there. But Uh that one's kind of interesting, too, that they moved, you know, apparently an unknown pharaoh into this into this tomb because where, wherever he was originally buried which I don't think we have any idea where he was originally buried was yeah, uh, apparently had uh, wet yeah yeah. Had, yeah was getting inundated with with water or something and so they they pull him out but somebody cared enough about that because that clearly wasn't looters. That was someone who cared enough to protect.
1: So was, you know, and uh, yeah, I guess the the kings were all related in some way, or at least they they saw themselves as related. But so, but it's interesting, yes, that they moved it, but but didn't really leave a record over who it was or why they moved it, which might be in a tomb that's long lost uh and if you found that tomb you know you, you'd wonder you know you assume that was looted yeah so it is i mean it's not just fascinating because uh, because it was forgotten history but i mean there's a really amazing interesting stuff that was found in this tomb yeah. that told us a lot about you know culture every time you find a tomb you find out a lot about what was going on and why they did what they did and, yeah. and there's always you know stuff in there that gives you some sort of glimpse into the long lost yeah know, culture and history well
0: and this was apparently transformative you know really transformed our understanding of this whole period of egyptian history where we thought that the pharaohs were, were not were not particularly powerful but this was a this was showed that there was a more power than we expected there to be i think it's interesting that you know the silver uh, possibly was you know was considered at least as valuable and even possibly more valuable than gold yeah. primarily because they just didn't have a source they didn't have
1: a local it. source for the silver so whether it had a different meaning uh, which it probably yeah. did. I mean, that is extremely rare that you would you would gather enough silver to, to make this you know sarcophagus. So, uh, or, or this this isn't the sarcophagus, right? Yeah. The, the the tomb, but uh, yeah. uh, uh, there's one more inside of it. But uh, I don't know. An Egyptologist might argue with me how, over <laughs> how that is. But I mean, yes, this this idea you don't find those. I mean, they're extremely yeah. extremely rare, and that shows again how incredible this find was. Is yeah. that it's it's I mean this is this is something that's you know kind of a unicorn. It's kind of not what we expected and not what we found, uh, and yet uh, not real well known in the West at all.
2: But the other thing could be he he may have been Elon Musk and decided that he was different than everybody else and <laughs> yeah. he, and, and left a message that said, I want mine in silver and not gold. Uh, yeah. you, I you mean, yeah, maybe it was...
0: Uh, well, because it is interesting and we can't really fully understand, I don't think, you know, with what we've got, how, why exactly he made that choice. I mean, that's fair because I, yeah. I I don't know. They usually used gold. Yeah. And, and, and uh,
2: who, who made the decisions? But I think the whole thing is a real prime example of communications and the fact yeah. that... It totally depends on what happens today or tomorrow, or what is famous and not famous, uh-huh. and and really shows in today's world as well as far back in history. Uh, it just depends on you know. Uh, I've I've said before in the beef business, we always hope the turkey business people did something really stupid today, and so uh, <laughs> and so you go and you go the other way, and uh, you know today today I found uh, if he had waited a few years and then announced yeah. what happened, yeah. then he could have been the most famous there was. Yeah. And, it and just, it's it interesting just, it's, that it just it, it, you know imagine there you're finding
1: out. this incredible find it's the find of a lifetime uh,
0: and you know the world events start sweeping it up you know you know it's it's fortunate that he was able to uh, protect much of what he found because I mean there's a lot of times where this kind of thing happens and instability means uh, it's lost because you know it's it's literally kept intact for a thousand years, and then uh, you you can't get it out of the city because the city's in chaos, and it gets you know it get, then it gets looted or something like that. And it's I mean that's that's incredible, and it's it's amazing that he was able to preserve what he did. I mean at a at a period of just incredible, uh, it, it was. World changing, World War Two was, uh-huh. uh, and he was, he was. I mean, everyone else was distracted. Uh, they, they all had yeah. bigger problems. Well,
1: you can't blame them. I mean, you can't say, oh, no. you know, you should have
0: been paying attention to Egypt
1: instead of, instead of, uh, you know, the war. But, uh, but I mean, it's it's interesting, even in the time sense, that it's relatively yeah. uh, not well known. I mean, because it, you know, didn't make the splash of the time that it made. Yeah.
0: So if that discovery came today, it would probably be extremely well known. But, yeah. uh, but well, just you have to time. think. I mean, we can't know, of course, if we found. Everything, oh gosh, no! I'm sure there's still going to be more discovered. Yeah, I mean, it'll be again, amazing. I mean, Egypt is thousands of years of history, so I mean, there's yeah. uh, there's lots of tombs still to be found. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's stuff we'll find uh, at this point. If you're finding it, it's likely. Unlooted, just because if you can't find it, the looters probably couldn't find it either. Although, you know, I, it, I mean, I mean,
1: they're still making this, and of course, all over the oh, world. Yeah. I mean, Egypt's not the only place this is happening. Oh, oh so you know, I yeah. don't because it depends on something was lo- looted in antiquity. That's so I think you'd true, have to yeah. have someone with a lot more experience than I do to say, you know, if you're still finding things, if they're more looted or not more looted or whatever. But I mean, I, th- I think everybody's going to argue that we are still finding yeah. lots of stuff uh, that's telling us a lot of stuff about uh, about the, 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 the Egypt
0: and the you know, old, yeah. new, middle well, kingdoms. Well, And this one, you know, the earlier chambers were did have some looting, and clearly people had been in there in antiquity. But it was just it was specifically uh, Susenes who hadn't been because well because they had a giant Ramses uh, stone from the period of Ramses in front of in front of the doorway, basically, Uh, which is which is amazing. It's amazing because now we think oh. Could you imagine you're building your, your giant uh, uh, monument? And today, I think we would find it generally pretty offensive that we're like, oh, we're building something new. So we're going to take the capstone off the Washington Monument. And- <laughs> Put it there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, unless you know, it talks about how they appreciated history or greatness, or maybe they
1: thought that it brought yeah. some of his greatness on him, or maybe they're just like, "Oh, that guy's a long time ago. We don't care."
0: Yeah, well, I don't even know yeah. who that guy is. I don't, I don't know. You know, I can't a, even read they, that version of the Egyptian. Rosetta Stone know. was
1: actually found just like in a foundation of a fortress that's somebody yeah. built, and, and uh, uh, so I mean, it's yeah, it's amazing what you know what. History we learned, was was dug up and, you know, shoved into, you
0: know, the corner of a house somewhere. Yeah, we learned a lot of history that way, is that they yeah. they dig through the rubble of stuff, and we find, you know, stuff yeah. about entirely different periods of history because yeah, it, was, yeah. and the stuff, it was reused. Stuff that
1: was very important one time, and then at another time they forgot why it was and it ends up in a garbage heap, and then you, yeah. you go dig it up,
0: yeah. At some point, someone was had to build a house and needed a rock, and there was a rock over there. Yeah. <laughs> Tore down and a whole they, temple.
1: The, you know, that temple's old. We'll tear that down that temple, make it the wall for this temple. And, yeah, yeah, no one's
0: worshiping at that temple anymore. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> I I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff and that, that happens all the time. And it's a really amazing. It and it, I, I wonder hard, sometimes. It's hard for
1: us to understand because our lives are short compared to yeah. this. So, I mean, you know, uh, it's, it wouldn't be a surprise. I mean, we we reuse steel from the from the Twin Towers, that's right? right. And, and I mean, and uh, so it wouldn't be a surprise that a skyscraper or a building that's incredibly important to us. At some point, we're going to, we're going to rip that building down, and that steel's probably going to be reused. Uh, and are we going to remember yeah. that it was even there? You know, uh, yeah. that, you know We don't. Our stuff, uh, you know, modern stuff is really, you know, we haven't seen its permanence
0: yet. How long it's going to last? Yeah. And, well, and and that's so it's we, always you know, an interesting question. You know, they they ask, you know, uh, how long does it take for it to be for it to become like you know grave robbing instead of archaeology? And that's to some extent <laughs> that's, that's, that's an interesting question. question. And and yeah. and you know, at what point? is the building that we're tearing down is, are we just tearing down something, you know, history uh, or, or are we just tearing down the old building? That, yeah. You we know, still was, have an argument here. You know, you, toward, yeah.
1: you tear down the local, you know, restaurant and you put up a Starbucks and you're like, was that, you know, was that history should it have been preserved? Yeah. Uh, and so, Or I mean,
2: in the news today, uh, of one of the Robert E. Lee, Robert E. Lee statues have been oh. melted down and they're making a different statu- uh, a get, statue, now, a representative statue out of it. Yeah. I have no idea what would be representative today, but same idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's true because yeah. I, I mean no matter what we no matter what we do there was you know even apart from you know who Robert E. Lee was that someone made that statue and that's yeah. a, you know that has. Yeah like, yeah
1: no matter no matter your feeling about statues or whatever I mean then, then there's, that's a piece of forgotten history at that point and yeah. Yeah, I mean you know whatever you want even the period that we're building these statues because of the lost cause argument and all that sort of stuff yeah. that it, we don't want to forget that piece of history because that it deserves to be remembered it tells us something about who we are and who we were and maybe who we aspire to be uh, and uh, so there's a lot of symbolism though I mean we pulled down the yeah. statue of King george and turned it into we gave it back to him one musket ball at a time right <laughs> that's we right melted yeah. him, we <laughs> melted him down and shot him back at the british we did
2: the same thing with was, was <laughs> oh, we, yeah saddam
1: hussein we pulled as you there's a famous them pulling down the statue and stuff like yeah. that so it's, it's it's part of what goes on but then when you look at what if i go from archaeology and i find that you know i find that the centerpiece of the stele or whatever uh, 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 for for the uh the plinth from a statue that doesn't it's not there anymore and we're going to wonder what yeah. you know what, what did that represent so uh yeah you
0: know, well and they they might have had very good reasons for tearing down their statues. You know, we had reasons that we tore down ours. You're right. Uh, or that we, you know, there's a reason why they toppled Saddam Maybe they, you know, maybe so they the decided Zangs they didn't like Zangs. the guy, and
1: so that's why they're, yeah. that's why they're you know, taking stuff. Who knows? And
0: now we're, uh, now and we're, that we're that picking was, up the plinth. It, sure, it, so it certainly says about
1: something that. about our culture, about what's going on now, about history now, yeah. that we're pulling down these statues and why and what we're doing with them. And and, yeah. uh, and that, you know, that might be something that's harder to divine in a 100 years or a 1,000 years or, you know, what. Whenever someone's looking back on whatever, you know, detritus that we've, detrius that we have left
0: behind to, to represent our, our, our civilization. And I wonder sometimes if we take for granted, you know, I think that a lot of times when they think, oh, we won't have that problem because we've got so many records, but I wonder if we're preserving all those records and, you know, you know a I wonder lot of if there's of stuff photographic on the...
1: record, a lot, a lot of film record, yeah. a lot of paper record is turning to dust. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's so, I mean, most of our stuff is not carved in stone. Yeah. Uh, it's mostly and carved we, in, you know, types of media that yeah. won't last, you know,
0: forever. we put stuff on the internet and that's, you know, we feel like that's forever, but I I mean, there's, you can imagine, you know, we, I mean, we imagine all the time these post-apocalyptic worlds where the internet internet disappears well, I mean, and we, suddenly we, they, we're the history of this period on, is gone. On records fires. And I mean, yeah. there's
1: lots of them, you know, so, yeah. uh, uh, you know, we're talking, we think that this couldn't be forgotten, but you have to think that they probably thought that at the time too. Yeah. Uh, and when you see be. things in terms of hundreds or thousands of years, then, you know, there's a lot of story that's going to be lost. So we, yeah. by looking at what what we see as forgotten or rediscovered history today and give you an idea of what we'll see in the future. People ask me all the time, what would you say as a historian about today? And my answer all the time is, say, ask me in 20 years, uh, because, <laughs> I, you know, I have to see it with perspective. But, you know, the real answer is, you know, ask me in 200 years or a thousand years yeah. and it might be a completely different idea of,
0: of what we see as history. And, and it's and, hard you know, to, it's really hard to guess but it's also i mean it changes and we've we've talked about that too uh, is that how we view a particular period it changes throughout time yeah, absolutely. and how yeah that's yeah. we... called historiography yeah uh, and so and, the silver
1: pharaoh is a great if if, if if for all the other reasons it is a great lesson in you know, what yeah. we think is permanent now is not uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, at some point we might be as enigmatic as the, as the silver pharaoh, or, you know, perhaps one day even you'll be valuable, even your corpse will be valuable Dr. Jones, right? Uh, who knows, you know, how, how, so uh, that's evidence, you know, that, that, uh, uh, that our history that we have right now is not necessarily going to be preserved unless we make a very specific effort to do that. Yeah. Uh, and that we are still going to be leaving behind all sorts of forgotten history. And that's that's what I'm all about. I don't know how long the history guy's is going to last, but I want, I want to try to take things that otherwise are relatively forgotten stories and you know keep them alive because the stories is who we are you know those are those define us
0: thank you for listening to this episode of the history guy podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode of forgotten history and if you did you can find more on our website thehistoryguy.com we release podcasts every two weeks so stick around if you want to hear more podcasts of forgotten history You can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. You can even get a personalized message from the History Guy himself on Cameo.